Yeah, it, feel, it feels good to be home. And um, thanks for being here this weekend um, and for prioritizing time, choosing to, to lean in. Throughout Scripture, we, we, we read stories throughout the Bible, right, where people take intentional time and they invest it into God's presence and things happen, you know. And, and so I, I really hope if, if, you came in, if you came here this weekend with anything less than an expectation for that, then, um, well, I, I'm, I'm sorry for you. Um, because that's just what takes place. When, when people decide that they're going to intentionally lean in and see what it is that God has for them, that he, he never disappoints. And so uh, throughout scripture, again, over and over, there's stories and events and moments where we've seen where uh, leaders and up-and-coming leaders, you think of like Moses' story, right, in, in, in Exodus, where he's just minding his business, just tending sheep, you know, just doing his thing, and all of a sudden, he's out for a walk in the wilderness, and this bush is ablaze. And, and he says out loud, he talks to himself, right? Because that's what shepherds do. They're weird. And so, uh, no offense to any shepherds in the room. Um, but uh, he says out loud, I'm going to choose to go aside and see what this is. That's what he says. And I don't know if one of the sheep responded or said good idea or whatever, but... But he felt to declare that. He, 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 made, a, he made a declaration with, a, with his voice, but he also made a movement with his posture. And so it's really easy for us sometimes to say things, but then there needs to be an action that follows suit. Right? You should probably just write that down. That was just good just to start with. But anyway, then he follows through, and in doing so, he has this incredible moment where his identity is made clear to him. Where it's made clear to him what God is calling him to. And not that being a shepherd wasn't enough, but there was so much more that God had for him. And he begins to deal with and eradicate insecurities that existed inside of him. We've all been there. I'm still there. Um, but in doing so, we see the amazing ways that he's used as a leader. And so I just want you to know that I'm so glad that you're here. And um, no pressure, but I'd encourage you over the next 12 hours, whatever we've got here together, uh, I just encourage you to lean in. And just see what it is that God has. Now, before we go any further, and, and, you know, some of you might think, well, this is just, you know, this is what they do. And, you know, this is just the routine of the whole thing. Uh, but I, I do feel some measure of responsibility to give honor where, where honors do. And I know that, uh, you know, Pastor Jeremy was talking last night about how, um, you know, honor is given and, and respect is earned. And I, I just need you to know, and I mean this wholeheartedly, that when it comes to Jared and Melissa and their family, I don't just honor them, but I absolutely respect them. And, and, and I know that you do as well, too. But, you know, Kim and I have watched you guys from up close and from a distance. And uh, we just, we have the utmost respect and honor for you guys for how you do ministry together, for how you lead your family, for how you've led others, for how you've led us. And we just, uh, just thank you so much for, for being such incredible examples and for living out everything that you talked about last night. Uh, if you don't, if you weren't here last night, uh, I, I think it was recorded, and I really need to encourage you. You need to listen to last night's message because it was, uh, like, I'm not just saying these things, uh, but like, it, it was one of the strongest messages that I've ever heard, on, specifically in that portion of Scripture, but just in general, just to leaders. It was from a beautiful place. And so thanks so much for last night and, uh, and for just being who you guys are. We just we love you guys. Think the world of you. Um, so that's it. Um, I want to I talk, talk to you just a bit this morning about the promise of a dream. And so last time we were talking about the power of a dream, but I want you to know that there's a dream that is promised to you, and that your dream needs to be a derivative of your identity. 
You understand that? That your dream is a derivative of your identity. And when you understand your identity, when you understand who you are and whose you are, then you're able to dream in the, in the scope and in the realm that perhaps God has created you to dream within. And so you need to know that there's nothing bad, nothing dirty, nothing wrong, nothing sinful about dreaming big dreams. Okay? There's nothing the matter with that. I think sometimes because of, uh, you know, our Christian culture and because of all the cynics that exist. I know that none of you are in the room, but if you are, just leave now, please. But we have people that are constantly criticizing and trying to, you know, come down on it. Well, yeah, but, you know, you probably can't do that because of finances. And you probably can't, you know, because of this. And, you know, and there's opposition. And, oh, those people just suck. But anyway... Um, None of you are like that, so it's great. Uh, but listen to me. Let, I, you need to dream. Your dream needs to be a derivative of your identity. And, and your dream is less about you and who you are, but more about whose you are. And the fact that, that you're a child of God. Okay, great. All right, well, we'll see you next time. Thanks for coming. It's been a great day. Ben, if you just want to My God. Okay, listen. You're a child of God. That's who you are. You, that's your identity. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're an heir. You know, you, you, you've, like, you were worth dying for. Just let that sit in. Like, that the God so loved you. Like, that he so loved you. Like, he can't help himself but to love you. It's who he is. The Bible tells us that God is love. So he can't help himself. It's a part of his character. It's a part of his identity. It's part of the very ethos. It's what makes him who he is. That he so loved you. That he sent his son to die for you. That his DNA exists within you. That in Genesis, we're told that he breathed his breath into us. Do you know that the same breath that was used to speak life into existence, the same breath that was used to create all of creation, that breath exists inside of you. It exists inside of you. But it's not just enough for that breath to exist within you. It needs to exude from you. And so this is where we get into the conversation. How are you using that? Are you speaking life? Or are you speaking death and all those other things? But you need to understand your identity and your dream is a derivative of that. And your responsibility, your calling is to further God's kingdom. That Paul writes to the church in Corinth, he says, I have called you co together, collectively, to the ministry of reconciliation. And that doesn't matter what it is that you're presently doing right now. Whether you're standing in the very center of that dream that perhaps God spoke over your life years ago or made clear to you last night. Or you're doing something right now that perhaps just feels like it's one of the details. But that you have a responsibility, a calling, a commissioning to be a part of the ministry of reconciliation. Why? By virtue of their identity, the, the fact that, you that you're a child of God and your dream must be a derivative of that. It's not about who you are, but it is about whose you are. And in being a child of God, you have to recognize that you have a measure of authority. That he has promised you a portion. Now, unlike Pastor Jeremy... Um, you know, I, I loved Wayne Gretzky, and I loved hockey and, and all those things, too. Uh, you know, I, I, for a season, thought, you know, that perhaps that I was, you know, going to, you know, take that further. Uh, but because I haven't grown since I was about seven years old, it didn't really work out for me. And so, uh, you know, I'm about five foot, you know, this, and, uh, and that hasn't really changed much. But, but uh, then, I, you know, sometimes when those dreams get squashed, you start to dream dreams, perhaps, that you feel are within your grasp. And so, uh, as, I, as I got older, uh, I began to dream, you know, more you know, maybe reasonable dreams, and I had a dream, and my, my dream was, was to be a Costco member, okay? <laughs> I just want you to know together this morning that dreams come th true, eh? Thank you, Jesus. And so I am a card-carrying Costco member, and I'm proud of this. You hear me? I am that guy that goes to Costco 
and is just eager to make sure I show the person at the front door of my car. They don't even care. They don't even care, you know, but I'm just, I'm there. I, it's out of my wallet. It is in my possession. I'm flashing this bad boy around. Anybody that wants to see it, even if you don't, just happy to take my picture with it with you. Because this, is, this has granted me a measure of access to a place that by virtue of this, I've been promised. You see, I grew up in Brockville, Ontario. And, um, yeah, the whole town's here, so that's great. <laughs> so, <laughs> I grew up in Brockville, and so it was a big deal for us to drive the 40 minutes to Kingston. Uh, my dad drives fast, so 40 minutes to Kingston and, uh, and, and to go to Costco. That was a big deal. And, and to me, it was, it, it, this was the promised land. You know, milk, honey, all those things, free samples, all that stuff. This was the land that God had promised, but by virtue of this, because I had, because I had, because there was an identity, because I had a measure of worth and authority, I was able to, I was granted access into a place that other people weren't allowed to go. Apologize to you, those of you that don't. Anyways, sorry. Get a dream. <laughs> but I, I had access to something by virtue of, well, something that I carried. And you and I need to recognize together this morning that, that, that you carry an identity. That you, you are a child of God. And so therefore you have access to things that other people don't have access to. That, that you can step foot into places and expect things that other people perhaps don't have the capacity to expect or dream or to be able to believe for. But there's so many things that if we aren't careful, there's so many issues, so many problems, so many pieces that if we allow them to invade our space, if we allow them to get our attention, if we move them to his rightful position on the podium within our lives, then all of a sudden we begin to forfeit those things that have been promised and we find ourselves settling for things less, if not actually choosing to go back to the things that we've been rescued from. I just want to let you know, this is for you, for leaders specifically, uh, that leaders lead people towards what Jesus has for them, not back to what it is that Jesus has brought people through. I want you to read, we're going to just look at Numbers chapter 13 and 14, okay? Numbers chapter 13, 14, just a brief little synopsis here. I got a few points for you. We want to talk about those things. We forfeit the promise when we do these things. We forfeit the promise. I'll just throw three things out to you really fast. We forfeit the promise when we neglect the process, when we make it personal, right? When we make it more about what it is that, well, we can offer than what it is that he has for us to obtain. We neglect the process, we make it personal, and we forget the past. Those are three things we're going to look at today. Numbers chapter 13 says this, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. Just underline that, highlight that, copy that, paste that, post it on your story later. Um, which I am giving to the people of Israel. There's a place that God has called people to go and spy out but prior to them being sent on mission to, you know, investigate, he has told them that he is going to give it to them. And he's made clear the identity. People of Israel, my kids, my children, my sons, my daughters, you, there's a land that you are going to inherit. There is a place that I have prepared for you. I want you to go and I want you to get it. I want you to know that when you understand not just who you are, but when you understand more clearly whose you are, that there is a dream that is attached, that it becomes a derivative of that identity. And that dream is promised to you. 
and that you need to have the capacity and the wherewithal to walk confidently towards those places that you've been called, recognizing that you have access so that you can believe for greater and more incredible things to come to pass in your generation than ever happened through mine. And it is for you. It is for his kids. It is promised. We keep reading. It's then from each tribe, their fathers, you shall send a man, every chief among them. Verse 3 says, so Moses sent for them uh, into the wilderness of Paran, and he, according to the command of the Lord, all of the men who were the heads of the people of Israel. And it goes on to list all the people that he sent. He sent Reuben, who was the head of this tribe, and he sent this guy who was the head of that tribe. And he, he sends all these people. He sends this group of spies in to go and investigate this place. In verse 17, it says this, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and he said to them, go up into the Najib and go into the hill country and see what this land is, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, whether the land uh, is, is good or it's bad, whether their cities are fortified or they have camps, whatever the land is, whatever it looks like, I want you to go and I want you just to investigate. I want you to go and investigate the promise and come back with a report of what it looks like. I want you to go and take a look at whatever, and for some of you, you got to look last night. you got to look at what the promise might look like. you got to taste what the promise, promise could perhaps taste like. you got to look last night. And maybe it was zoomed out. Maybe it was a different perspective like Pastor Jeremy so eloquently talked about. Maybe, you know, maybe perhaps it's you know, 35,000 feet cruising altitude sort of you know, level look at what it is that God has for you. But that's all that Moses is asking these guys. I want you to go, and I want you to take a look. But I want you to know that what you're looking at has been promised to you. That what it is I'm telling you to go and take a look at, I want you to know that you have access to. That you just don't need to stand in the parking lot, but you can actually walk through the door. And enjoy all the free samples that Costco has for you. <laughs> so we keep reading. And this is where we get to. They've gone in now, and we've been told that they've got for themselves, you know, clusters of, of grapes and they've all these things right even in the promised land everything comes in bulk okay just like Costco do you understand like this is the thing 48 cartons of almond butter and all these things coconut oil for you and your entire neighborhood like everything it's all there and this is where we get to it's right here it's in verse 25 it says at the end of 40 days they returned from spying out the land and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation and the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh and they brought back a word to them to the entire congregation, and they showed them the fruit of the land, and they told them this. We came to the land which you sent us. Already they forgot that it wasn't just the land that they were sent to, but it was actually the land that they were promised. They've already forgotten. This isn't just the place that Moses sent them, but this is the place that Mo Moses had been promised that they would actually obtain. So we went to the land that you had sent us to. We came to the land in which you had sent us. It flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong. And the cities they're fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the Najeb. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites, they all dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites, they dwell by the sea along the Jordan. But Caleb. This is verse 30. But Caleb. I think Caleb would have been one of those guys that if he was walking towards you, it'd be, oh, here comes the dreamer. Just like Pastor Jeremy talked about last night. Oh, here comes the dreamer. You know, but Caleb, one of the spies who was sent out to investigate the land that God had promised, to investigate the dream that God had promised, speaks up. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and he said, let us go up at once and occupy it. 
That word occupy in the Hebrew actually means drive out whatever it is that's presently occupying that space. Caleb says, let's go and let's take it by force. Let's kick everybody out because that belongs to us. After everybody's just got done saying, yeah, you know what? They really got it going on. You know, like they're really, like they've got, you know, they've got a home sense of winners. You know, they just got a Starbucks, right? Sounds like Bowmanville, okay? They just, they're really starting to grow. Rumor has it the GO train's going to get there. Like things are really moving over there. And I just don't think, it's fortified. It's strong. It's, it's borderline GTA. I don't think we can handle it. <laughs> and Caleb speaks up and he says, no, no, no. He's, he quiets everybody. He says, guys, shut up. Stop with the negativity. Stop with the noise. God's promised us this place. This might sound like a dream, and you might think that you perhaps don't deserve it, and perhaps we don't. We've screwed up. We've made mistakes. You know, for the most part, you know, we're basically idiots. But because of God's grace and his mercy and his kindness and his gentleness, there's a place that he's created for us, and we need to go, and we need to occupy it. And we'll kick anybody out that's there because they don't belong there because it belongs to us. I would hope that you would take that which God has promised you as seriously, that you would not allow anything to sway your perspective or convince you that you don't deserve it. Convince you that you can't occupy it. Convince you that you can't contain it. Because somebody, somebody far greater than all the negativity and all the things that others might say, somebody far greater has actually called you to it. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it. For we were well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said this, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land and they had, that they had spied out, saying, A land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw there are great in height. It goes on to continue where it actually says that God's people reference themselves as grasshoppers in sight of those individuals that were present. That the, the naysayers, the negative people, the other spies say, we can't possibly step into this place. Like, they're giants and we're like insects in their sight. It gets to the point actually where as you continue to read, we're, we're told that we're told this, that, that the rest of them begin to get so upset. And they begin to get upset with Moses. And they say, we need a real leader. We should have just gone back to Egypt. Like, why don't we just go back to, you know, where it was eaten. Now, how, here we are in the wilderness and we're, we're about to die. And literally, guys, like verses before, at the beginning of chapter 13, it starts with a promise. It starts with a promise that God has told Moses that he has created a place for his people and that their responsibility is to go and occupy it. But what ends up happening is when we begin to listen to all the noise and we turn our eyes away from those things and we turn our eyes off of him and we turn them towards perhaps the things that matter least, certainly the things that don't matter most. We willingly choose to forfeit those things, the greater things, the milk and honey things that God has promised us. Again, we forfeit the promise when we neglect the process, when we make it personal, and we forget the past. Three quick things that I want to leave with you here this morning. We've got a full day together, and I'm really looking forward to it. Three quick things is this. And when it comes to you, 
inhabiting the land, inhabiting the dream, inhabiting the place that God has promised you, the first thing I need to leave with you is this, is I encourage you to remain patient. Numbers 13, verse 25. It says that they went and they spent time there. And in fact, they spent 40 days. It took 40 days. They were told that roughly as you study and you understand the context of this portion, that God's people, the nation of Israel, is literally 80 kilometers away. They're, they're, with, they're within reach. You know, they're, they're, with, they're within they're within a, a short drive, maybe 40 minutes, depending on how fast your dad drives. <laughs> within 40 minutes of, of everything that God's promised. And they spy it out, and they do all the things that God has asked of them to do, and it took 40 days. But because of their lack of patience, and because of their frustration, and because of all the angst, it ends up taking 40 years. I just want to encourage you right now that if you feel discouraged because perhaps it's taking too long. It just hasn't taken quite long enough yet. That the last thing that you want to do is pull this promise out of the oven before it's risen to everything that God has for you. Because it as well as yourself are bound to fall flat and no one's going to want to taste anything that you manage to produce. So listen to me. Remain patient. We heard last night about two more years in prison. You think of guys like Abraham, 90 more years before wife gets pregnant. <laughs> Awkward, eh? Well, anyway, don't want to go. The whole, anyway, talk to your parents about it. So, um, but 90 years to wait for that. 40 years and two years and all these, you know, and all these times. You ever notice that it just never seems to... I mean, I'm in the midst of a story right now, and God's answered so many prayers, even things that I've neglected to pray. But there's, there's one piece that just seemingly, and it's the timeline. It's the timeline right now in my story. And I'm just, I'm really irritated because he totally has missed it. Um, but, you know, but, you know, his timing's perfect. He's never early. He's also never been known to be late. Maybe in my humanness, perhaps, I see it as that, but that's not the case. Listen, as you pursue the promise and as you walk confidently with what it is, the card that you carry in your heart with that identity that the dream has now become a derivative of, when you walk, I just want you to do this so patiently. If you've got four years of school between now and then, then do those things patiently and faithfully. Okay, if you've got, if there's a period of time, you know, I know that you're going to change the world and that you're going to fix the local church. Thank you for doing that. You're a gift to the kingdom. Now, but just be patient, okay? Just be patient. I was in Bible college once in my second year too. Um, you don't have it all figured out yet, okay? <laughs> Love you. Keep going, please, but be patient. Because, in the, listen, God, in the details, he's, he's actually, he's actually, well, God, in the details, he's actually, he's doing, he's adding, he's contributing to the dream, not diluting it. The details aren't for the dilution of your dream, but it's actually for the establishment of it. 
so that you can actually go and occupy the place that's been promised with a measure of confidence and not be like the statistic that continues to increase where you fall flat on your face. There's things that you're learning in those 40 days. There's things that you're learning in those 40 years. There's things that are being established within you in that 90-year wait. My father, I couldn't do that. But there's things that are, that God's doing good things in the details. So I want to encourage you right now. You're irritated, you're annoyed, you're frustrated. It hasn't all accomplished yet. It's okay. Remain patient. Remain patient. Don't neglect the process. Remain patient. Here's the other thing. I want to encourage you to write your perspective. Remain patient and also write your perspective. In uh, chapter 13, verse 31, this is what it says. The men who had gone up with them said, we are not able to go up against these people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out. The land through which they had gone to look at, the spy, the land devours its inhabitants. And, and the people that we, we saw there, they're great in height. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. Can I just encourage you this morning that as you confidently move forward towards the direction into that which God has called you and promised to you. To do so with a measure of patience. But also can I encourage you to write your perspective. Because I think the things that sometimes keep us in Egypt or keep us wandering in the wilderness is that, again, we don't understand our identity. That because of a difficulty or because we come up against a little bit of opposition, we begin to view ourselves differently or as less than what it is that God has said that we are. Here God's people are actually referencing to themselves as bugs. Bugs are gross. And because they've come up against a little bit of opposition, they've totally changed their perspective. They've totally changed how it is that they choose to view themselves, and they now see themselves as far less than what it is that their father, than what it is that God has said that they actually are. I want you to know that the thing that could keep you perhaps back from that which God has promised you, the thing that could perhaps keep you from inhabiting the land of the dream that God has for you, is if you don't understand exactly not just, again, who it is that you are, but as I've mentioned earlier, whose you are. That you're a child of God. So you need to walk with a little more confidence. You need to walk with, a, you know, you need to walk with a promise in your pocket. You need to walk into Costco the same way I do. With a little measure of certainty and assurance. I need you to know, I go out of my way. You're going to laugh at me for this, but that's fine. I don't really care. I'm you know, doing better with what people think. So um, I, uh, I, I look for opportunities to bring this out of my wallet. Like there's times where I'm looking for another card. I know where that card is. <laughs> but I open my wallet up as if it's like some scroll that, you know, is being, you know, like it's something. I open it up, you know, it's like the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm like opening it, you know. And, and, and so I, and, and I will just, I will, pull, I will pull this out of its place of prominence in my wallet and just put it on the counter as I continue to look through the rest of my wallet just because I want people to know who I am. It's the white card. It's not even the black one. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm not even a premium member. It's just a gold thing. I'm not even, I haven't even got to that level yet. But I look for opportunities to, to, to bring this out so I can let people know who I am. And listen, I ain't gotta, you got to do the same thing. 
Pastors, leaders, friends, hear me right now. Look for opportunities to show off whose you are. Look for opportunities. Look for, look for situations where you can step into things that perhaps everybody else has given up on. Look for scenarios that seem hopeless where you can step into them because you're a card-carrying member of the kingdom of God. Okay? Look for scenarios and situations that you can step into and you can bring change. Why? Not because you're a bug. Not because you're some sort of grasshopper for Jesus. Because you're a giant. Because you're a son. Because you're a daughter. Because you are worth dying for. And so listen to me, if you're going to actually occupy the place that God has promised to you, you need to do so and go towards it patiently. But walk with a measure of confidence and swagger because the Savior of the, of the world, the Savior of the world, he's, he exists within you. And so stop sheepishly walking around your hallways, in your high schools, all shy because, you know, you didn't do your laundry and you had to wear your youth group t-shirt, you know. Somebody might ask. You know. <laughs> Listen to me. Be confident. Be confident in the creator who's created you. Be confident. That the things that God has called you to spy on. Be confident that even though perhaps right now, when we look at our world... The world that God has promised us. Be confident right now, though it seems as though there's giants in the land. Though it seems as though right now that the world has really quite established itself as a fortified city of sorts. That you have everything that's needed and necessary to take back ground that rightfully belongs and has been promised to God's kingdom. Don't forfeit the promise. Recognize who you are. Remain patient. Write the perspective. And number three, recall the provision. Remain patient. Write the perspective. And recall the provision. Numbers chapter 14, verse 11 says this. After all this has gone on, after Moses has been told by God that there is a place that has been promised, there is a land that seems like a dream, that he has actually established for his kids, that he's actually used the things of this world to strengthen it in such a way, to fortify it so that his kids could actually obtain it. After he sent in the spies and after they've come back and after Caleb the dreamer has spoken up and told everybody, hey, it's ours. After all these things, God's people, his kids, say, you know what, maybe it would be better for us just to go back. Maybe, maybe it would be better just for us to go back. As I said, leaders, you don't bring, leaders don't bring you back to the things that God or that Jesus has brought you through. Hey? Leaders... We don't, we don't lead people back to what God has brought them through. But in this moment, God's people are saying, you know what? You know, you know being a slave wasn't that bad. You know, you know, if, you know Egypt, you know, at least, we had, at least we had pots of meat. You know, we had, we had food to eat. You know, that was kind of good. Kind of tired of all this other, you know, manna stuff. And, 
At least, you know, but back in Egypt, it wasn't too bad. You know what? Here's the thing. If, if God would have granted the request in that moment of his kids to just go back to where it is that he'd rescued them from, do you know all the promises that they would have to step back over to get back to the place that they once were? All of a sudden, they're going to come up against seas that he once has split from the other shore, and now they want to go back through them? I mean, how stupid. I mean, it's easy for us to say, but we do it all the time, don't we? And so, listen, if you're going to go and occupy the place that God has promised, I want to encourage you here this morning to remain patient. I want to encourage you this morning also to, well, to write your perspective and understand, again, whose you are. But I also need to remind you to not forget, to remember his provision. That if he's done it before, he can do it again. Sounds like a song. Somebody should write that. But it, if, he's, if, he, if, he ha, if he has one, if he's the same, if he, it's this beautiful thing about him. He's yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. He doesn't change. You know, he never gets temperamental or hangry or anything like that. He's God. He's good all the time. And things don't necessarily need to be good for him to be good. Things don't have to go good for God to be good. He's good all the time. And so even in the midst of your bad and in the midst of your wilderness, in the midst of your wandering, God's still good. You are good, good. Oh, oh. It's truth. It's truth. It's truth. It's who he is. So if you're looking right now for a little bit of confidence, if you're looking right now for a little push forward towards your promise, if you're looking right now for a little bit of strength so that you can face the giants, then just like David did, you need to draw a line in the sand. You need to remind those things that you're facing, the name that you come in. That the name of you come in is the name of Jesus Christ. That I come at you in the name of Jesus Christ. With whatever it is I have in my hands. Moses had a stick. You know, David had a sling. But with whatever it is that you've got in your hands, with whatever it is you draw a line, he said, I'm, I know that this has been promised. That this, I don't care how big the giant might be. I don't care how fortified the city might seem. I don't care how dark the darkness might appear. All I know is that I am a child of God. And I'm going to continue to remain patient because there is purpose in the process. I'm going to continue to do whatever it is that dad has called me to do because I know that he has some great dream that he has desired me to occupy. That I've been put on this planet with a purpose that his breath exists within me and it is about to exude from me. That I'm going to be used to change the world. That there is a dream that I have a responsibility to carry out and it's my father's dream. And I am all about my father's business. So I have committed myself, signed myself, I have, I'm, I'm devoted to the ministry of reconciliation. That I will indeed remain patient. That I won't listen to the haters. I won't listen to the negativity. I won't get consumed by whatever it is that I read on someone's wall. I won't believe the things that other people are saying about me who really don't know me all that well. I won't listen to the noise. I won't listen to the negativity. I am a child of God. And I know that he's done this. I know what he saved me from. I know what he set me free from. I know the things that he has established in my life. And so because of these things behind me, I don't care what it is that's before me. But with Jesus at my back, it doesn't matter what's at my front I know that there's a promise that he has called me to obtain that's what I believe for your life but in the midst of the wandering in the midst of the wilderness in the midst of the spying on the promise as he continues to reveal it please please don't become impatient but remain patient He's the God of the details. He cares about these things. He's setting you up. 
It doesn't say that all things are good, but it does say that all things work together for good. He uses all these things, those cracks, beautiful illustration last night. Those things, those moments, those ridges actually add to your strength and stability. Would you stand to your feet with me? kilometers away. That's it. 80 kilometers away. So close. So close. Just around the corner. Maybe just a few blocks away. In the parking lot of the promise. I don't want you to miss it. So please, don't forfeit it. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. Youth pastor, hey, hear me. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep going. I want to encourage you. Remain patient with your lead pastor. Now that I am one, sort of. I mean, Kim really does all the work, but it's a long story. But anyway, just, there's probably lots going on that you might not even realize. Come alongside him. Come alongside her. Hold up their arms, crawl underneath them, be a stone that they can sit on, kind of like Aaron and her were for Moses, you know, same sort of thing. Be that. Listen to me. Remain patient. Remain patient. And please don't look at yourself as anything less than worth dying for. Some of you, you haven't been able to hear anything else that I've said because the moment I started talking about bugs, you just thought, man, that's me. So I just need to take a moment here and just again remind you that no, that's, not, that's not who you are. That in his eyes, you were worth dying for. And you were a giant in this puzzle. That you are a key piece. That you're needed, that you're required, that you're necessary, that without you, it's incomplete. That he desires to advance his kingdom with your help child of God chosen not forsaken and remind yourself of the things that you've been set free from I think the rearview mirror is proportionate because I think it's good to kind of glance to remind yourself where you've been but we need to keep focus more intently on where we're going please don't test this theology this afternoon when you drive home and try to get to wherever it is you've come from by just staring in the rearview mirror to prove me wrong I just want you to know I'm right and uh, not very often that I'm confident to say that but right now I am please use the windshield okay look through it look towards but sometimes it's good just to remind ourselves of the things that we've overcome in fact throughout scripture we see that God would encourage his people to roll something like a stone or build an altar that would serve as a memorial so even though in this moment God's kids have grown frustrated and they're ready to throw in the towel turn their back on the promise in order for them to go back to the things that perhaps they thought were better in this moment of weakness they would have to crawl over the altars they would have to crawl over the stones and they would be reminded over and over again of all the things that God has done so listen I know that perhaps you're frustrated right now I know that perhaps right now you're you feel as though that you're not taking any ground in the fight I just need you to know if he's done it before he can do it again and the same God that has offered you provision in the past that same God can offer you everything that you need towards the future sometimes it's okay to look at the good old days because it helps us gain perspective on the great new days that are ahead and I really do believe for each and every single one of you 
there's really bright futures and promises that are yet to be fulfilled. All across this place. When you look around the room, like I'm doing intentionally right now, you need to see family. These are co-laborers. These are people that you've decided to go to work with. These are people that you've decided to go to war with. These are people that you've decided that you're going to fight the good fight, that you're going to finish the race alongside. You know, we get in Ephesians and we start to look through the armor and we know all that stuff, right? You got the boots, you know, and the, you know, the breastplate and you got the helmet and the sword and, you know, the belt of truth and all this great stuff. And, you know, what's really interesting to me is there's not a single piece of armor that was ever given to a Roman soldier that was used to protect their back. And you know why? It's because the person standing next to you, more importantly, the person standing behind you, is actually supposed to have that covered. So what you're standing alongside right now isn't just friends in ministry, but it's family. It's people right now that you are going to decide that you're going to labor with. That you're standing beside right now a son. That you're standing beside right now a daughter. That you're standing right now beside somebody that you have determined to go to war with. And together, I believe wholeheartedly, why not let it start in eastern Ontario? Maybe the rest of the country can catch on. But I believe that there is a battle that indeed has already been won. It's just our responsibility to go and occupy it. See, again, God promised in the very beginning in chapter 13, this is a land that has been promised to my kids. And I believe there are high schools that have been promised to you, youth pastor. I, I believe that there are cities and streets across the EOD that have been promised to you, young leader. I believe there are places that are promised. And though right now they seem occupied, though right now it seems like they've got it all together, though it seems like right now there is no way that you could have a voice or have any measure of influence, I want you to know that there is a battle that has already been won, that all you need to do is faithfully put one foot in front of the other, and just as Caleb says in verse 30, let's go with confidence and occupy the place, push out the darkness, push out the things that presently occupy, we have the ability, this is what he says, Caleb was nuts, here comes the dreamer, Caleb was crazy, he says, we have everything that's needed in Side of us to overcome it and you need to hear me this morning you are a card carrying member in the kingdom of God you can walk through the doors with confidence in your high school you can walk around the hallways you have everything that's you have everything within your heart you have what's required to overcome anything that this world could possibly throw at you okay good So can we just take a moment together, and let's just grab a hold of that promise. Let's grab a hold of that identity. That's where it all begins. That's where it all begins. That's where it all begins. That our dream is a derivative of our identity. I'm a child of God. So I'm going to dream big dreams. I'm going to believe for the unthinkable. I'm going to begin to fathom the unfathomable. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, start, to, I'm going to start to expect the, un, the unexplainable. I, I, I'm going to... I'm going to begin to plan for the extraordinary. I'm going, to, I'm going to believe for my high school again. I'm going to believe for my family again. I'm going to believe for my mom. I'm going to believe for my dad. I'm going to believe for my sister. I'm going to believe for these things again. Why? Because I'm a child of God. Come on all across this place. Just whatever that looks like to you. Just some sort of posture of whatever. Just worship. Just praise. Just, I, I think we need to establish identities right now. Just... Just a big old can of rain. Just, just get bug off, okay, right now. All right, just, come on. This is, the scripture tells you this, is you're chosen. Come on, that you were chosen, that you're not forsaken. 
that I am, that I am that which you said that I am, God, that I'm worth dying for, that I am a son of God, that I am a daughter, that I am a part of a royal lineage, that the same breath that spoke life into existence, the same breath that enabled the creator to do all the creating that he did, that same breath exists inside of me. But listen to me, leader. It's not enough for it existing to just merely exist in it. It's got to exude from you. It's got to come through you. It's got to flow through you. So confidently put one foot in front of the other. Spy out the land that God has promised you. Remain patient. Remain patient. Recognize who you are. And don't forget his provision. Remember his provision. Reestablish your perspective. Come on all across this place. As Brad leads us. Come on, I'm chosen. I'm not forsaken. I am who you say I am. Come on. Come on. You've got an identity. And there is a card that you carry. Come on, there's a card that you carry. You've got access. You've got access to the King of Kings. You've got access to the Holy of Holies. You've got access to the presence of God. Come on, taste and see that He is good. Walk through the doors with confidence. Come on, because you promise. No one's going to tell you that you're not welcome here. Things might come against you, but He's put in your hands everything that you need to slay. Anything that come up against you.
Um, I got a picture. I just, I'll just show you a picture. This is, this is my wife, Kim, and, and our son, Ayo. <laughs> yeah. It's so... Um... <laughs> so that's, uh, that's, that's our son. And um, he's, uh, <laughs> he's two years old. And um, I don't want to go into details of his life because it's his story to tell. Um, but he's got no reason to smile. Um, but man, he's, <laughs> he's smiling there. And um, August 1st, we flew to uh, Nigeria. And uh, a couple days after that, we walked into a dark room where um, I saw my son sitting in the back corner of the room. Stomach was swollen. Uh, he's malnourished. He was, you know, riddled with things and stuff and infections and uh, everything inside of me in that moment just wanted to run and grab him. But I knew that probably culturally uh, that just wasn't appropriate. And so I tried to, I tried to wait. But I just, I just wanted to, I just wanted to pursue him and just, you know. So we go through all the process and stuff and things, and, and really long story short, um, basically what ends up happening is everybody that's been giving him care for the last year and a half eventually just kind of leaves the room, and it's just us. And, uh, you know, the poor kid, now he's just surrounded by, like, white people. And, um, and we, we don't really look anything alike, and, and, uh, and, he's, and he just he falls apart. It's very traumatic moment for him and here my wife and I are and we're just trying to love him like unconditionally and just trying to hold him but you know let him you know do what do you do like you don't like I've never done this before you know I don't want to break it you know <laughs> and um so I have a lawyer and a car that's waiting for us to take us where we go and so everybody's telling us what to do and things that we should and so I pick him up and he is like he is just delaminating like he is he is not happy and um, he's, he's got a scratch in my face. My face is bleeding, you know. And um, he takes a swing and he hits Kim. And, you know, and she's got a black eye. And, um, and, and we're trying just to, just to love him, just to show him that we care for him. And, and he's doing everything that he possibly can to resist it. And, and in, in, his, in, his, in his childlikeness, like, he doesn't understand that we, we, we can give him what he needs. Like what he requires, we actually have the ability to, to give him everything that's required for him to, you know, but he, he doesn't want any of it and he's pushing away and he's scared and he's terrified and he's all of these things. And, um, you know, we, we came to this place, you know, we, we walk in and, and, and all this, we're all, and all these things, like we're experiencing all this stuff kind of together. And then in this moment, I'm carrying him out the door and I'm crying, you know, and, and, uh, and he's crying and, and I'm holding him really close to me and he bites me like so hard. And so like he bit me down on the thumb and I was saying last night, Jared and Melissa, I'm like, yeah, I'm like in that moment, like I, lo I just lost a digit. Like I'm done. Like this is it. Like four for the Lord. That's all. It's like, I can't even, you know, I, how am I going to, I'm going to be too embarrassed to worship. Like I can't, I can't. Anyway, I'm just all the and I'm like and all I've got my son's head now on my shoulder, and 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 my thumb halfway down his throat. <laughs> it's a, his choice, not mine. And um, and I'm sobbing and he's weeping and he can't catch his breath. You know, <laughs> you know that one. And so and, and all I'm saying, I just, I just keep telling him over and over again that I love him. I'm like, buddy, I love you so much. 
in that moment, I'm like, I had this thought. I'm like, you, I, I said this to him. I don't think he understood it. He didn't really speak much English at that time. You do whatever you need to do to daddy. You do whatever you need to do to daddy to feel better. And in that moment, it dawned on that this is the cross. Like, this is Jesus. Like, you know, and I think it was in that moment, like, I was like, continue to walk to the car and you know there's cattle it's long, you know the end of the way and, and so stepping over and, and we and we begin our our life together and for the first couple weeks he didn't want anything to do with Kim um, and, and again he continued to try to resist just us and love and all those things and even when I left about five six weeks ago now um never really like it was always us initiating the affection he would reciprocate it but we would have to initiate it and then just a couple weeks ago I got on FaceTime and there he was big smile you know he's, he's waving and he's, and he's learned how to do a peace sign for the while it was this uh, and then like, hey put your thumb down he's like peace that's it peace and so anyways I'm totally that person that talks about kids all the time anyway um peace and uh and then kim says ayo do you have something to say to daddy he's like yeah or he, he kind of like daddy he says call me daddy i'm like oh oh this just got real and he's like i love you and i i like i fell apart because he was now initiating the affection and i just need to tell you the time that we have left today what it does to a father's heart when you decide to tell him that you love him first instead of waiting for him to tell you so we've got like maybe 10 more minutes here and so the band's going to lead us and you're going to take all these things that we've talked about today and hide them in your heart or wherever it is that you've written them down but can we just take a moment here together and can we just initiate some affection and just tell God right now just for a few minutes just how much we love him because I can just tell you, I feel like I can actually speak to this now. I've never done this before, but I can speak to this now because I've had the experience. I can tell you what it does to my heart. As an earthly father, I can only imagine what it does to our heavenly father's heart when we do the same. So can I just encourage you, those of you who've come in here and you've been here for the last night and this morning, and all you've done is resist him and push, can you just recognize right now that he is what you need? And stop pushing them away and just maybe initiate some affection so that we can just write this whole thing and keep things moving here this afternoon. Even for those of you that understand what I'm saying and you agree, can you just lead right now? And let's just thank Jesus for loving us. You know, you know Jesus, I love you. You do that? Go ahead. It might involve your voice, okay? Stop looking at me like I'm weird, okay? Come on, talk to him. Tell him just initiate it. Just tell him that you love him. Thank him for dying for you. Please, just, you know, from... Please, just go ahead.
worship, this counts. I know there's not a tone and I know there's not necessarily a melody right now, but this counts. Worship is these moments where we recognize and we write the rule, we write the order, where we move him to the place that he deserves, where we elevate him over everything else, over all the circumstances, over all the situations, all the scenarios, all the stuff that's going on, all the things that are happening right now in your life, all the things that you're trying to sort out and figure out right now. Let's just let's just have a moment where we just, you know, let's just initiate the affection. Because I can tell you he's in the room and his desire would be to pursue you, just to come and just to grab you and pull you. But I just, it does something to a father's heart when you initiate it. When you come running with your arms stretched out, you're not waiting for him to stretch his out towards you. His arms are always stretched out. He is always ready. He is always willing. Could you just recognize right now the authority that's in the room? Could you just take a moment, maybe a little face time with the father and just initiate a little bit of love. Just initiate a little bit. God, I love